0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it. A podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Happy Saint Pocket Day to you. Today? Happy.
1: I'm um, doing great. Happy St. Patty's Day to you. If you're watching Thanks this so on much. YouTube, pretend we're holding pints of Guinness.
0: Yes. I wish it was a podcast day every day. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Starting off strong. <laughs> All right. Let's just move into so the material then. <laughs> let's jump
1: in. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting this level of puns of to start. Uh, yeah. So we talked about this one. Uh, obviously in preparation for our recording today, um, yeah. kind of with the, the baseline of, we often say it depends, it's all situational when it comes to certain planning ideas and topics and strategies. Um, so we kind of took that to an extra degree here where a client situation, the specific case of there being a larger age disparity between spouses yeah. and how that simple variable can really have a big domino effect on all of the other decisions, usually surrounding retirement. Um, and I yeah. guess some of those special considerations that are specific to that situation now.
0: Yeah, um, gosh, so much goes through your mind because when when we think about financial planning and the job that you and I and the team has here on giving advice, we really are doing our best to like make reasonable assumptions about the future. and. Right. If, if one of the biggest concerns around retirement is do I have enough money or will I have enough money? You think about how different that may feel if the money needs to last even longer yeah. because you've got, we'll just say the husband who's 10 years older than the wife, that money yeah. now needs to last 10 years longer um, in that specific situation. So yeah. when it comes to these irrevocable decisions, and I, I guess we should probably just go through them, but Social Security pension, um, how you invest, what do you do with an estate plan? We'll go through these. Yeah. The sensitivity is just so much more pronounced when you have this age disparity.
1: Yeah, and on that note, you know, we our our planning software defaults to age ninety five, and that's what we kind of use as our for life expectancy is kind of our our baseline. So in that scenario, you have a, and again, we we said husband more commonly than uncommonly, right? It's usually right. the male that is is the older spouse. But in a scenario where he, the male would like, the older spouse would like to retire at 65 and the other spouse is, let's say 55, right? That 10 year difference. That may mean to go to age 95, that would be 30 years kind of in our standard plan, which feels like a quite a long period of time. To your yeah. point, tack an extra 10 years on top of that. And now you're looking at 40 years where, there may not be earned income coming into the fold now, really stress testing. Is this pool of assets that I've saved up to this point going to last my lifetime and maybe a little bit longer for my for my spouse? And it just, it creates, again, that domino effect of all of these other things that we want to make sure can check yeah. those boxes
0: so that we can say, yes, this is going to work and, you know, go forward with it. Right, because if, if there is the one spouse that is passing away, you can make an argument that, okay, some of those expenses are going to go away with that passing, but the bills on your house and the utilities and the, and the things that you're paying for anyway, those don't go away. And I think we'll highlight this in a second, how that income is generated. And if it's, you're really relying on social security or pension or things that may not keep up over time, that longer time period now for the surviving spouse may present an additional drag on assets. So maybe yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you want to start as oh, far man. as like digesting yeah. some of those variables, but um, I think we're making the point already that there's some sensitivities here. So if you're in the situation, like talk to a planner, let's work through this and make sure that you're really going about it in a thoughtful manner.
1: Yeah. I, I think that is the key, right? In, in all of these things that we're going to talk about, it there really is, some sensitivity to those decisions and making sure you're getting it right on the front end, especially if by our assumptions, there's going to be a pretty long runway yeah. for things to move in a million different directions kind of once you make that decision. So you kind of touched on it. And it was one of the things I wanted to talk about is get, having a good idea or at least making some pretty good guesses on expenses and spending early on in retirement and trying to project that out we see that in our planning process where we are looking at 25, 30, 35 plus years in retirement. The expenses matter because we're inflating those over time. And everybody yeah. loves yeah. to talk, well, maybe they don't love to talk about it, but inflation is a pretty big hot topic right now. Um, so think about that. 40 years from now, what are things going to cost and making sure that we've factored that into the planning. It's an important piece to make sure that you've at least thought through on the front end before making any sort of irrevocable decision, especially when it comes to your retirement on the front end.
0: So then let me kind of throw you the softball here. The the Mm. reason I think we're focusing on retirement is many of those uh, key inputs on retirement are age-based, right? Right. Social security, age-based. Medicare, age-based. Sometimes when you can get your pension, age-based. How you're paying taxes or when you're having to pay taxes on retirement money, age-based. So (laughs) let me just toss it to you. Which one of those do you want to hit on first? Because I think if we can talk about them through that lens and age disparity, we can maybe give some pointers of the things we would want people to think about. Yeah. I think this the simplest right off the bat is the health
1: insurance side of things, right? And you talked about that. It is age-based. I think most people know that age 65 is when you are eligible for Medicare So again, running this scenario where the older spouse may now be eligible for Medicare and that may alleviate some of the stress of, okay, well, how am I going to pay for coverage? What kind of coverage am I going to get? That's all well and good. But now potentially if the younger spouse is also trying to retire at the same time and is no longer employed, doesn't have access to employer health coverage, how do we cover that gap? What could be I mean, it could be any number of years, but in our scenario, at least 10 years of trying to acquire private health insurance, which we know is not inexpensive, how do we factor that into the planning process and making sure that that is something that's covered?
0: Yeah, because you certainly, as you, I think, alluded to earlier, you don't want to understate your expenses in retirement when you're trying to illustrate that. And healthcare, deductibles, premiums, whatever it's going to take to cover those things, When you talk about inflation, those costs have typically gone up more than just your typical other standard living expenses. So you really, really want to plan accordingly for that. I I think Social Security falls into that camp too, where the earnings history of each spouse is really important. And typically how many years you have in, right? Social Security being the highest 35 years, even though there are spousal benefits, age bands, things of that nature are going to play a role here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, the, the, so I, mean, I feel like we've done one specifically on Social Security. So maybe we talk about bits and pieces of this, but it is important to understand the dynamic of that spousal benefit in that, you know, that that younger spouse or I guess at this point, age may not be the deciding factor. It's who is the higher earning spouse. Right. And the the other spouse can collect up to 50 percent of the higher earners benefit. The key point there being that is still at the younger spouse's full retirement age. Yeah. So it 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 off that that part, I think we find often is not understood by most people. It's I you know, I can collect 50 percent of my spouse's benefit when we go to retire. But that's at for most people nowadays, that's going to be age 67 not 62, yep. which is the earliest you can claim. And that five years may have a pretty big impact um, from an income standpoint on, on filling that gap. So you can collect it as early as 62,
0: but then you take more of a haircut. It's, it's as low as 35% of yeah. your spouse's benefit. Well, and I think part of our job, too, is to be forward-looking. And mm-hmm. I know you said we, we can run plans till age 95, and that's kind of the default. Certainly nobody knows when they're going to pass away, but right. usually people have a feeling on like their sense of longevity, either based on family yeah. history or their own health. Yeah. The reality is when you have spouse, one of them passes away, that surviving spouse only gets to keep one of those benefits and it's the higher of the two. So right. in a situation where the older spouse was the higher earner, that's the mm-hmm. bigger benefit. Mm-hmm. We want to be really thoughtful about when they take it. Um, knowing yeah. that you really want to maximize that, not just for yourself, but for your surviving spouse, if your life expectancy is 10 years less than theirs. Yeah, that's that's where you start to get
1: into that strategizing of, okay, what in that scenario, right? That means we'll probably want to try to delay that older spouse from them starting their benefit as long as financially possible to lock in that potentially higher amount again, assuming that they pass away prior to the other the younger spouse, they yeah. can now collect 100% of that benefit for their lifetime. And the nice thing about Social Security is it does get cost of living um, adjustments over time, unlike many other sources of fixed income. Historically, that has not kept up with inflation. And even this year with Social Security getting a close to 6% bump, well, if inflation's right. running at seven to 8% for the beginning right. of the year here. Again, we're not quite necessarily keeping up with that uh, pace. So yeah, getting getting that decision on social security, right, really can have long range impacts in terms of the benefits that totally can come out of the social security uh, plan, I guess I should say, over again, that really long 30, 40 plus
0: year potential yeah. window. And I, I guess I think of pension benefits being kind of similar to that, right? When you go about making those decisions on um, not only when you're going to start it, but usually there's some sort of survivorship option there. Yeah. And when you're thinking about a spouse that's 10 years younger, the reality is most pensions do not have that cost of living adjustment. So, you know, when you pass away, great that something might be left behind. But if it's truly not going to keep up with expenses, that needs- to be considered in planning yeah. and maybe that's why I mean I don't I don't want to make a hard pivot here but maybe that's why the sensitivity to what do you have in savings what are those assets how are they invested should mm-hmm. also include am I am I going to need some life insurance in this situation yeah. because we're going to need to backfill those last couple of years um, right it probably is more sensitive in this planning scenario of age disparity than it would be yeah. if you have two 65 year old individuals retiring at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, often we see, you know, depending on the level of assets, and and again, in in my head, the scenario I'm running is, right, two two identical spouses, 65 years old, right, they have accumulated assets, they probably don't have a whole lot of debt, if any, at that point. And then life insurance often becomes a choice, right? It's not necessarily needed at that point in time. But in this scenario, where there is a potential for this money to last even longer, um, having that lump sum that at some point in the future, when that older spouse passes away, it can immediately create liquidity in that scenario without necessarily having to worry about what is the market doing? What are we withdrawing from these accounts? All of those different factors, it really can be that that fail safe that can can trigger at some point in the future when that passing happens. Again, just to create that liquidity, to create a, a few extra years of income to take some of that stress off of the, the long term projections.
0: So my mind then goes when you think about life insurance, a lot of that is yeah. just that longevity planning and then estate planning. Yeah, right. And if I if I can make, hopefully yeah. that's a more seamless transition into that part of the conversation than you know hard right turn. But I we we often say that the the. Onus really is, and the stress and pressure really is on the second spouse when it comes to estate yeah. planning, because yeah. the rules of, the, of engagement here are pretty nice when the first one passes away that the other spouse can really just own everything, pick everything up. Um, there mm-hmm. isn't a lot of the pitfalls in that situation, but as right. soon as that second spouse passes away, now things really need to kick into gear for children, heirs, And I just think it would be really important when you think of that second spouse having a longer runway without Mm -hmm. their um, deceased spouse to have really clear understanding and documentation of how they would have wanted things to go.
1: Yeah. And so that's the key. And that that was one of the things that I I wanted to note too. It's with any estate planning, right? The first step is just to clearly communicate intentions, put it all out on the table, figure out if something happens to me, what would I want to see happen? And vice versa for your spouse, right? If something happened to them, what would they want to see happen? Let's document that. And then let's try to figure out how do we need to structure things so that that can actually occur. Um, And we talked about in this situation too, when you have these situations where potentially an older spouse or, you know, that, that age disparity, sometimes we see that because of second relationships, right? Either divorce, remarriage, and that creates its own uh its own set of potential hurdles if there were children from a previous relationship yeah like that's a whole nother 20 minute
0: podcast (laughs)
1: yeah the the rabbit hole we could fall down there um yeah it's it's pretty deep the the amount of assumptions and variables and things that you would want to consider as part of that estate planning process right i'm thinking putting putting my myself in that situation whereas if i was the older spouse i remarried sorry amy um and and (laughs) purely hypothetical (laughs) right purely hypothetical you would you would theoretically want to take care of your spouse first but it would need to be clear that when you pass away i want this money to flow back to my kids and their families to to, again to to take care of them that would be my intention not everybody's going to follow that line of thinking but i think that's more often than not kind of the default but that is not the default when it comes to estate documents and wills and things of that nature. Um, it yeah. can get messy pretty quickly.
0: And in that case, maybe even a trust, right? And that's, that's where yeah. the higher level of planning needs to occur and conversations need to occur. So yeah. um, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm really glad you brought that up. No, no, no. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it can get messy pretty quickly. Well, and then one more domino there, because, you know, even before, if we're going to stay in the lane of like remarriage, which is, I think you're, I think you're really smart to bring that up when we are thinking of age disparity. Yeah, I I would equate that more to some of the situations, client situations we have where remarriage has occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the conversations even before estate planning then are, what does that mean for retirement timeframe? What if the younger spouse is still paying for kids and their education. What if this is your responsibility versus my responsibility? There's just a whole different level of financial planning and and good communication that needs to occur between the two of them. Um, And that's really where we need to play an active role. So I I think it puts the margin for error shrinks. And maybe that's a good way to summarize this. When you're dealing with this type of variable, that longevity is a wonderful thing but it can kill a lot of plans if you really did not work on proper assumptions on the front end. Yes, well said. Well, then we'll leave it at that. Perfect. So yeah, find yourself in that situation, give us a call. This is, um, I think as as you kind of said at the beginning, this is one of those situations where it takes what sometimes feels like pretty standard advice Mm -hmm. and really flips it upside down. (laughs) Yes, agreed. All right. Good Great start. job. Thank hey, you. Have some green beer and green bangers beer. and mash tonight.
1: <laughs> I don't think bangers is ma- and mash is Irish, is it? I feel like that's
0: British. I was thinking more pubby. I don't know. You tell I don't me know what the Irish is. Now I sound so, ignorant. Have right. some scrapple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds good. That I will. Bye.